speakers in the classroom. So we have auditorial learners, ones that can hear it and they got it. We've got visual learners, they have to see it. That's me, any other visual learners here? Any auditorial learners here that you hear it, you got it. Pastor's an auditorial learner, he's just not paying attention. So, yeah. <laughs> Chuck's, Chuck's an auditorial learner. Um, and then you have a kinesthetic learner, and that's someone who has to tear it apart and put it back together, and then tear it apart again and put it back together. And so hopefully in um, the different ways that I'm going to be teaching over the next four weeks, we're going to hit one of those from a different angle, and you're going to be able to hear, see, and tear it apart and be able to understand, okay? All right, so in Ephesians chapter 4, you're going to want to make sure that you bring a pencil. I'm going to provide you with paper every week, but bring a pencil or a pen or use your um, smartphone or a tablet or iPad to take notes in um, because I'm going to give you quite a bit of information. Some of it's going to be on your paper. Other is going to be right off the press, and I've got some things in the second part that's right off, right straight from heaven um, for you tonight. So um, it's going to be good. And it didn't get on the sheet. So, and I wasn't going to go back and change my sheet. I was like, fine, God. You're just as an, an amendment. Um, so, um, okay, so Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. I'm going to be reading this out of the Passion Translation. Um, for his body has been formed in his image. This is talking about God. Okay, Christ. For Christ's body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. So he's talking about you and I here, all right? We are the body of, sorry, we are the body of Christ, okay? We are the body, say that with me, I am the body of Christ. Okay, so this is, he's talking about us right here. For his body has been formed in his image and closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to continue to the growth of all, to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. And then you can look this up later, but if you read in Acts chapter 6, we, t we find out that in Acts chapter 6 that the church is going along. Uh, Christ has risen from the dead and he's, he's poured out his spirit upon all flesh and the disciples are going out and they're making disciples and they're having church. And we find out that there's a, in Acts chapter 6, we find out that there's some commotion arising because um, some of the widows are not being taken care of. And so they're like trying to discuss, well, who should be doing, whose job is that? Don't you just love it when something comes up and everybody goes, not my job, not my job, not my job. I'm like, well, do you see the need? Just do it, you know, but there they, so here they were. The church was going around going, not my job, not my job, not my job. So the apostles all got together and they began to pray and they began to fast and, they, and the Lord said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have these. Uh, I think there were seven deacons. And so they laid hands on these guys. And those deacons, and this was for the purpose of, of the deacons in the church, in the beginning of the church. One, 
was to free up the apostles so that they could teach the word and be in prayer. So they could teach the word and be in prayer. And so the deacons then, or what we call today the ministry of helps, what they did was they stepped in and they took care of the natural um, needs of the body of Christ. Okay, understand that? So natural needs, what would that be? Well, the widows were complaining because they weren't getting any bread. Nobody was helping them. You know, they didn't have any family that could help them. And so the deacons come along and they say, okay, Mrs. Smith, what you need? We got you covered. Okay, somebody else rose up. You know, an orphan doesn't have food, doesn't have a place to live. Okay, we're going to help with that. So that's what they did. They deaconed. They ministry of help. They took care of the needs of the church. So today, we still have that goes on, except that we, don't, we do have deacons in this church that takes care of this facility, but we also have what we call ministry of helps. And so as a ministry of helps, and everyone, as you read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, what did it say? Everybody has been given a divine gift. Everybody. So we think of the ministry of helps, that's the, you know, that is, you know, we think of that. Now, Chuck and Carrie did an awesome job talking about the prophetic, and they covered a lot of this, the, um, the, the uh, spiritual gifts, and we're going to look at those here in just a minute, not in depth, but just to kind of highlight what those are. You know, those, those and, and understand what I'm saying here, because practical needs are spiritual needs. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, if I'm hungry... If I'm tired, if I'm sick, and you're coming at me with spiritual, I can't hear you because I'm tired, I'm hungry, and I'm sick. But if you come along and you meet that, that natural need in my life, now I can hear you. Ask Mona whenever she's down at the heart of Saginaw. Her, her whole ministry is to feed those kids, feed those kids. But while she's feeding them, she's also giving them the gospel. She's also loving on them. So she's putting food in their tummy first because they can't hear her because they're hungry. Their natural needs are not being met. But as soon as she puts food in their tummy, now I'll listen to you. I can hear you. She just started this thing over the summer of sitting down with, she handpicked like 10 kids out of, out of those 200 kids. And she was doing a class with them on Mondays for, I think she did it for four weeks. And seven salvations out of that. But she fed them, and then she taught them. And they memorized scripture, and at the end of it, they got a certificate because they attended all the classes and because they memorized the scriptures and because they did the work. And I was there the last day, and I, and I would ask them, I said, so share with me one of your scriptures. Just right off, just coming right off, coming right off. But what's she doing? She's meeting, a she's meeting a practical need that's leading her to a spiritual need. Okay, so we don't think of the ministry, ministry of helps as, okay, so you have, well, let's just go over these real quick. And I know I'm getting off of your, um, off of, I'm getting off, off thing, off track here, but that's okay. We'll end up at the same place. Um, okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And these, this is what um, Chuck and Carrie really 
rehearsed with you guys the last, what was it, six weeks? Um, So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses, let's look at, um, i got to change my translation here. I would like to have the New Living Translation, please. Thank you very much. All right. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4, he says here, there are, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work of us all. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help one another. One is given the spirit, um, the spirit is given the ability to give wise advice, Another, the same spirit, is given the message of knowledge. Okay, so let me say it in, in, King, in King James language. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So those are our three, speak, those are our three um, uh, revelation gifts. Okay, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And then he goes on down there and he talks about, and then we have uh, tongues, gift of tongues, gift of prophecy, and gift of interpretation. Those are our speaking gifts, okay? Those are the spiritual speaking gifts. Tongues, interpretation, and uh, prophecy, okay? Now, the speaking in tongues, I know Chuck covered this, but the speaking in tongues there, the uh, speaking of tongues there is not your prayer language. That's whenever there's a, a tongue that's given in a group, and you might have heard that here, or you might have heard it in a Bible study, Somebody will speak up and say, I have a tongue. And so they'll begin to speak in a language that you don't know. But it's, it's um, I was just talking to Eugene the other day, and he was saying that at youth group years ago, whenever they, he first came here, he was back at youth group, and um, he was sitting in front of Emily uh, Clark at that time, Wallace, and she was praying in tongues, but she was speaking in Spanish. She does not know Spanish, but he could understand every word that she was saying. Okay, so Emily may have thought she was praying in a prayer language, but she was actually praying in a gift of tongues. Okay, so then you have prophecy. If you have a, if you have a gift of tongue, you have to have a gift of interpretation. Okay, and then you have prophecy. So it's three speaking gifts. Then you have the power gifts. Gifts of miracles, gifts of healing, and the gift of faith. Okay, so those are, those are nine gifts. Those are nine spiritual, we call them spiritual gifts. Then we, have, then we have what we call, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 7. Uh, no, let's go down to um, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So we call this the fivefold ministry, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. We call this the fivefold ministry. These are gifts and callings that these are gifts that God gives to the church. Okay, 
So when we talk about the ministry of helps gifts, a lot of people, so you've got, we've got um, our spiritual gifts, we've got the fivefold ministry gifts, and then the way that we look at it, spiritual gifts, fivefold ministry gifts, ministry of helps gifts. And that way we think about it, oh, I'm just a server. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a, I'm just a, no. That's not the way that God looks at your gifting. God looks at your gifting and goes, what a powerhouse of a gift that you have on the inside of you. Because it's a divine appointed gift. And if it's a divine appointed gift, we can't go spiritual gifts, fivefold gifts, ministry of helps gifts. No, we go spiritual gifts or ministry of helps gifts. Spiritual gifts, fivefold ministry gifts. Or we go fivefold ministry gifts, spiritual gifts, ministry of helps. They're all on the top line. All are called. We all might have a different calling, but all are called. And that's what God wants us to understand, come to know and understand, is, is that you have a gift within you. And your gift is vital. Your gift is important. So you might be wondering, what the heck is all of this? Well, this is a double chocolate espresso cake. You're welcome. <laughs> it took me 24 hours to make this cake. It did. <laughs> And not because I kept messing up, but just because I did it in segments. So up here I've got most of the ingredients, except I forgot the espresso. But let's just pretend. No, no, no. I went and got coffee. Same thing. So, but there is something missing up here. But here I've got all of the ingredients that that recipe calls for. This is for the icing. I know what I forgot, the butter. This is for the icing. Pretend like there's two, three sticks of butter here for the icing. Yum. Um, vanilla from Haiti. Um, salt. You have to have baking powder, baking soap, don't you? Do you have to have these ingredients? Do we, okay, it's a double chocolate. Do we need the cocoa? Okay, we need the cocoa. The flour, do we really need, I'm gluten intolerant, so do I need the flour? We need, oh, that's sugar. Do we need the flour? We need the flour, right? We absolutely need the sugar, okay? Because you put these two together, it makes it good. Um, milk, definitely need milk to put it all And we need the eggs to bind everything together. So which one of these ingredients is more important for this cake? <laughs> But is it, is it most important? The vanilla is good too, yeah. And those of us that like coffee, the espresso's good. Those of us that love butter, the butter's good. Those of us that love the sugar, that's good. So which one of these ingredients is most important? You need them all. Because if we say that the eggs are most important over the flour, if you, or over the flour, if you didn't have the flour, you wouldn't need the eggs. Okay? Salt, do we need the salt? We do need the salt. 
you, you do need this for flavoring to, in order to make this cake. Now, if it was a saltless double chocolate espresso cake, we wouldn't need the salt. This recipe calls for salt. So we need the salt. This represents the body of Christ. This cake represents the body of Christ. Which one of these ingredients are you going to leave out and say not important? None of them. You can't leave any of them out. They're all important. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter whether or not I, th I say, well, you know what? Really, you don't need the baking soda because it's in the baking powder and the salt and the baking powder is going to combust together along with the eggs. It's going to do the same chemistry effect. But the recipe calls for baking soda. And, you know, I don't know about you other women or maybe some of you men. I know Jeff's a chef. But, you know, I read a recipe and I go, hmm, I think I can replace it with this. Okay, first we were, we were married, not even. Well, his uncle came down. When did your uncle come down? Okay, so was it before Thanksgiving or was it after Christmas? Okay, so it was before Thanksgiving. Okay, so we weren't married that long. And remember, we don't have any money. So I'm making everything from scratch, which I, ta I take great, um, great uh, pleasure in knowing or great, I take great pride in knowing that um, I learned at the feet of the best. My grandmother was the best cook. She made the best rolls, the best noodles, the best fried chicken, the best green beans, the best biscuits, the best everything, best oats. I mean, how can you mess up oats? She made the best oats. And so I learned at the feet of the best, best pies, um, best, best potato salad. I mean, I, I just learned at the feet of the best. So his, aunt, his uncle comes down and... Um, you know, we don't have much money, so I'm thinking I have flour, I have salt, I have baking soda. I'm going to make some biscuits. So I made biscuits with baking soda. What's going to happen? They're going to be flat as ever. They're going to be flat as They're ever. They're skeet <laughs> Exactly. Because <laughs> so I, I didn't have any baking powder, but I thought, well, is, I mean, it's white. <laughs> It's grainy, so isn't it the same thing? It says baking on it. Surely it's the same thing. They were as hard, Lillian, as hard as, I mean, even soaking them in milk did not help. They were hockey pucks, yes. It was, it was oh my gosh, they were so, so bad. I felt so bad. And they tasted horrible, yeah. So, so the whole point is is that the baking the baking soda the baking powder for the biscuits is in there for a purpose and for a reason and i tried to replace it with something else that yes you can use in baking but it doesn't serve the same purpose it doesn't serve the same it doesn't do the same work okay so yes yeah, so with all of these ingredients mixed at certain times, and also there should be a cup of boiling water here to go in it. And um, yeah, so all of these come together. You bake it at 350 for 
Well, I ended up baking it at 20 minutes because my oven is totally off. And uh, yeah, actually, I baked it at 325 for 20 minutes, so, and, it, and it's done. So I'm hoping that it tastes good. I know the icing is great. I didn't get to taste the cake. But so all of this put together, it makes this beautiful body of Christ that's going to function and do what it's supposed to do, okay? Which is what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 4. Again, Ephesians 4, 16. And this is, I think this is out of the uh, Amplified. It says the whole, because of him, the whole body, the church in all of its various, all of its various gifts closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied when each part with the power adapted to its need is working properly in all its functions goes to full maturity, building itself up in love. So why do we, why do we help, help you discover your ministry of helps gift? Is it because we want you to work? Is it because we need you in the classrooms? Is it because we need you to sweep floors? Is it because we need you to usher? Is it because we need you to greet? Is it because we need you to do sound, music, preach, whatever? Is that why we have you discover your ministry of helps gift? No. We have you discover your ministry of helps gifts so that the church can come to its full maturity. So that it, it can build itself up in love. And when each of us is doing our part, or sometimes we might have to step in and do another part because somebody's not doing their part. But when we're all doing our part together, we have this great body that's functioning well. You guys know that um, I had knee surgery last year, so part of my body was not functioning well. And for over a year, it hasn't functioned well. And I can tell that it's not working. My knee is not doing its job. My knee, or it was not, I received a healing a couple weeks ago, but it was not doing, and I could tell that the rest of my body was having to make up for what the knee was not doing. The rest of my body was suffering because of what this knee was not able to do or was not willing to do. And so as a result, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of muscles that aren't working right. There's a lot of adjustments that are out because I have one part of my body that was refusing to operate and work properly. Now that it is, there's an alignment that's coming. There's an adjustment that's coming. And so now my body is fully, and it's maturing, not old age, but it's maturing in the sense that it's doing what it's supposed to do. Okay, so do we understand that? Yes, we do. Thank you very much. Okay. Yay. Yay. All right, so why don't we, Jeff's going to take this cake into this room in there, and we are going to, um, he's going to divide it up for us, cut it up for us, because I think it only serves, I don't know how many it serves, but he's going to make sure everybody gets a piece. And there's also coffee in there. And also, if you brought your tithes and offerings for tonight, I guess you can bring that up and uh, put it in this basket, and then Ken and somebody else will make sure that it's taken care of. So why don't we all stand? We'll take like a, maybe a five to seven minute break. 
and then we'll come back and we'll, we're going to dig even deeper into uh, the ministry of health skills, okay? And Jesus be over here to get the cake and coffee <laughs> and if anybody wants milk they can have some milk too
should type back and start telling me more. That's what I want to know. Yeah. More. Yeah. I know the first part, but what is the Right, right. Good, good, good. So you're praying that out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good, good. Awesome. All righty. Let's, uh, how was it? okay good that's great so see how good it is whenever a good cake comes together all the ingredients comes together how good and pleasant it is and it all works together and look they said it was good well at least the three up front said it was good so I don't know we'll see how was it Gary okay it was, it was okay Tina all right I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would tell me any different or not. But anyway, Jeff is the one. Jeff's the one that we would have to really ask. But so, okay. There's some left. Okay. Grandma Kathy is the cake baker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's um, continue on. We're going to look at why well, we already mentioned some of the various gifts. And again, <clears throat> there in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11, again, we talk about those. Those are, those are spirit, those what we call the spiritual gifts. <clears throat> now, the word gift there, it means endowment, free gift. Is that for me? Thank you. You're such a servant. Gift of serving there you have. Yeah, you're such a baking powder. So the word gifts there in 1 Corinthians 12, it means endowment, a free gift, a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own. So in other words, that in the spiritual gifts, there isn't anything out, outside of just asking God for, you know, the spiritual gifts. There isn't anything that you can do to receive a spiritual gift. And in those gifts, and again, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but in, with those spiritual gifts, it's as, it's as the Spirit wills. It's as, it's as He wills. Okay? So, for example, if we're, we're all in here tonight, and there's the spiritual gift of healing. If we're all healthy in here tonight, and if we're all functioning, our bodies are all functioning the way that they're supposed to, is there a need for the gift of healing in this room tonight? Physical healing. No. No. Or the gift of miracle. No. I mean, physically. Because there are other miracles. There's, you know, besides physical. And there's other healings besides physical. There's also soul healing that, that we need. So, so anyway, so, those, so that word gift there, there's nothing that you can do besides ask. So there's no works that you do to get to receive that gift. Okay, so in a vision, and, and I'm sorry, let's look at uh, Romans chapter 11 and verse 29. Romans 11, verse 29. And this is, this is one that I really want us to really just focus on um, tonight. Um, and I got to get a different translation. Don't you just love electronics? Aren't you happy that we have electronics or else I would have been out here with like five or six different Bibles trying to look through all of them? Okay, let's look at the Amplified here. Verse 29. 
Romans 11:29. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they are given. He does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace to or to whom he sends his call. Isn't that a powerful scripture? God does not regret the gift that he put on the inside of you. He doesn't, he's not up in heaven going, oh, shoot, I should have given Ken the ministry gift of prophecy instead of the ministry gift of mercy. What was I thinking? God is not doing that. God did not make a mistake in the gifting that he gave you. Now, we question the gifting all the time. God, are you sure? Are you me? Are you sure that that's what you, what you want me to do? Are you, are you sure you got the right person? Are you sure that I'm the right person for that position? Are you sure that I'm the right one to do that? Are you sure that I'm the right one to speak into that person's life? And God's saying, why are you questioning the gift? I have not regretted giving you the gift. Now, as parents, have you ever regretted giving your kids a gift? Yes. Just shake your head yes. If If you're a young parent here and you haven't yet, you will. Okay? Yes. You know, there's been gifts that we've given to our kids. I'm like, uh, we're not doing that again. You know, but listen to me. God is not in heaven saying, oh, I regret that I did that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have given that to somebody else. No, he knows exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing whenever he put in you that specific gift or gifts. He knew what he was doing. In Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, we all know this scripture. If you don't, it's a scripture that you need to know. It's, it's, our, it's our salvation scripture. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God did raise him from the dead, you shall be saved. Okay, that's our salvation. That's our salvation scripture. And so... Once we, once we understand that we are in the body because we accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, now I am in the body of Christ. Now I belong. Now I belong. And see, that's so important for you and I to come to understand that we belong. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you thought, I don't belong here. This isn't where I belong. I, I feel very uncomfortable here. This isn't, this isn't where I thought I was supposed to, you know, I thought I was supposed to be here, but this isn't where I'm supposed to be. But listen, whenever we are in the body of Christ, whenever we've said yes to Jesus, and we accepted him as our personal Lord and Savior, and we said yes to him, he came to live into us, he came to live, gave us eternal life, life forever, changed our hearts, changed our lives, made us brand new, all of those, term- all those terminologies that we use to describe what a Christian is, whenever that happens, God says, I'm so pleased that I put a gift on the inside. Now you belong. Welcome to the family of God. Isn't, that's what we say, right? Welcome to the family of God. 
You belong. You belong in the family of God. You belong in the body of Christ. So that's something that you have to settle. That's a mindset that you have to change that if you've always thought of, you've always been trying to strive for, where do I fit? Where do I belong? You know, even whenever we are, you know, even before we became a believer, I, I know on my own part, when, before I became, before I really dedicated my life to Christ, my problem was I was trying to fit in. I was trying to belong. So I went from this group to that group or from this person to that person, trying to fit in, trying to belong. Until finally I came to myself and I said, self, the only thing, the only place that you belong is in Christ. That's the only place that you belong. And once I began to not come and understand that, that my identity is in him, that I identify with him, then I understood now I belong, I am part of the family of God. I'm in the body of Christ. And if I'm in the body of Christ, then God knew what he was doing whenever he put gifts in the body of Christ. And listen, he knew the gift that he put inside of me before I even said yes to Jesus. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about that. This is the download that came today, or actually yesterday while Pastor and I were walking, but I finally put it on paper today. So uh, have you ever heard of the word regeneration? Okay. Um, or unregenerated? You ever heard the word unregenerated? Okay, read Romans chapter 7. Talks, they're all about, Paul talks about regeneration, unregeneration. Might not use that terminology, but that's, that's the definition of it. But the root word of regeneration and the root word of unregeneration is generation, okay? So whenever we talk about generation, see if I can... See if I can be a real teacher here. We're not talking about here like from generation to generation. That's not what that's not what this word it means. We're talking about here, let's see if I can find it. Okay. So generation, this word generation means to bring into existence. Tell me when generation first happened. God created the world. When God created the world. When did it first happen with man? With Adam. God brought into existence man with Adam. So here, number one, at the generation, God God brought into existence this, this, and as Kevin said, this was creation. So this is creation. Okay. Was there anything missing in Adam and Eve when they were created? There was nothing missing in Adam and Eve when God created them. 
He made them perfect. He made them whole. He said, let us make man after our image, after our likeness. That's what he said. Is, let me ask you this. Is there anything missing in God? Is there anything missing in Jesus? Is there anything missing in the Holy Spirit? So man was created after God, after the Father, after the Son, and after the Holy Spirit. One person says it like this, nothing missing, nothing broken. That this was generation. Now, we go down to Genesis chapter 3. Unregeneration. This is the fall. This is when Adam and Eve are deceived and they turn their backs on God. All of a sudden their eyes are opened and they see evil for what it is. They see good. And so they're separated from God. Spiritual death happens to them. Let me ask you something. Here, everything they needed was in them. Here, everything they needed was in them, but they're dead on the inside. Their spirit man is dead. It's separated. Death is separation. Their spirit man is separated from God. Okay? So we go through life. We go through Old Testament. We go through Israel. All of Just read the Old Testament. And then we come through a 400 period that God doesn't speak, except that he's prophesied in the Old Testament that there's coming a Messiah. And it's prophesied his name will be called Emmanuel wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. Jesus comes on the scene. We know the story. He's here for 30, 30 years. It's his 30th year. He goes into his ministry. He preaches, he preaches about himself, <laughs> preaches the gospel. He preaches about himself, foretells what's going to happen, teaches about loving your neighbor as you love yourself, teaches about loving God, and then they crucify him. He dies, he's buried, he raises from the dead, just as it was prophesied in the Old Testament. The apostles, they accept it. They, re they receive Christ in Acts chapter 1. They, they're born again. They receive Christ, Acts chapter 2. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They go out into the world. And now we have regeneration. What happened to the gifts that were here? Here, here they were alive. Here they were dead. Here they're alive. So whenever we accept, whenever you and I accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, those gifts and callings that God put on us from the beginning of time, beginning of time, 
not at the time of your birth or the time that you took your first breath, but the beginning of time. Those gifts and callings that God put in you, they were here. And then we're born, we're born in sin, and we're dead. We're dead until we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, until we say yes to Christ, until we say yes to what he's done for us on the cross. Once that happens, now our spirit man is alive. Guess what happens to those gifts? They're alive. But let me tell you something. These unregenerated gifts, you're still using them. You're just using them to fulfill the flesh. Okay, again, Romans chapter 7, if you go back and study it out, Paul says there, there's things that I don't want to do that I do. There's things that I want to do that I don't do. Oh, wicked man that I am, who is going to save me from this dilemma? And then he goes into Romans chapter 8, understanding that, that the scriptures were written without chapters and verse. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So what happens is whenever we are, we're unregenerated, we're still using our gift. We're just using it for the flesh. Okay? So if I have the gift of serving and I come along and I serve Lillian, it's because I want something back. It's for selfish reasons that I do this. Or if I have the gift of prophecy, not, not the gift of prophecy, but the, the, the um, motivational gift of prophecy, and we'll go into this later, but meaning that everything's black and white and I'm going to tell you the truth whether it hurts or not. I'm going to speak the truth. And it might hurt you, Lillian, but I don't care because you need to know the truth. So see, it's for my own self-fulfillment that I'm going to tell Lillian the truth, whether she likes it or not, and I don't care if it hurts or not. So see how the motivational gifts can be used in an unregenerated state. It's still there, but it's unregenerated. Now I get born again, and I'm learning. I'm discovering, oh, I have the gift of prophecy. I have the motivational gift of prophecy. I like things black and white. I can tell evil. I can distinguish evil. But I also have this love now that's in my heart. I don't want to hurt Lillian's feelings. I don't want to hurt her. I want to love her. But yet I have this motivational gift that I see she's doing wrong. I see that she's not living right. I see that she's not following the scripture. So I, I have to tell her, but Holy Spirit, how do I tell her without offending her? So see how that gift now has changed. Are you, you confused? Are you there? Are you? Okay. All right. So... Whenever we're unregenerated before Christ, it's all selfishness. It's all to fulfill the flesh. It's all about me. What can I get? How much can I get? How far can I go on what I got? It's selfishness. But once I become born again, 
Now it becomes a struggle because I know, I know that I'm not supposed to be living according to the flesh, that I'm supposed to be living according to the Spirit. And I want to live according to the Spirit. I want to walk according to the Spirit. I want to do things according to the Spirit. I want to live according to the Spirit. So now it doesn't become selfish. It becomes selfless. Less of me and more of him. Less of me and more of him. So does this make sense to, for everybody? Does that help, help everybody? Yes. Yes. The acceptance of Christ, the rebirth of the Spirit. Yes, that is... Yes, right, yes. The, the key here, that's why I put it in red, because it's the blood of Jesus. We have to, the only way to be born again is, is by accepting Christ. You know, um, tonight, uh, in stays Bible verse, or verse that they were to remember, was um, it's by faith you have been saved, not of, by, it's by faith you have been saved by grace, not, of, not with works. So it's not, this red up here is not because of all the works that you've done and it's by the sweat of your brow and the blood that you've shed. This is because of the blood of Jesus that we've been regenerated and we've accepted that we've said yes to that. You're right. You're right, Rick. Good. Any other questions before we wrap up here? And one thing that, well, I'd say you may not want to hurt somebody's feelings, but if you see them doing something that can result in injury or death, yeah, right, right. Sometimes like, that is like, what we have to do. Yeah. I want to tell you a couple of stories before we close. Um, I had the privilege of being at my father's deathbed when he passed away several years ago. And um, our relationship, you know, my parents were divorced, and so he went his own way, and my mother went her way, and and uh, and uh, we didn't have a relationship. He wasn't in in my life. Uh, once my stepfather came on the scene, he figured, you know what, she's being raised by another man, so I don't have to do that, and that's a whole another story. So, but over the last few years, once Richard and I were married. And I don't know, maybe the last 20 years of his life, we intentionally um, got involved in his life. And, um, and he was great with that. He was okay with that. But it was more on our part than it was on his part. So um, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting relationship. And so I'm standing by his deathbed, and you know, I've got my little New Testament there with the Psalms in it. And I said, Dad... Can I read a scripture? What's your favorite scripture? Of course, Psalm 23 came out. The Lord's Prayer came out. Um, he was raised in a Baptist church. His dad was a preacher. And my dad had a call of God on his life. Part of the problem was is that my dad ran from that call. And um, whether it was a preacher, teacher, pastor, whatever that was, or even just being just flowing as a believer, he just didn't answer that call. 
So as we're talking around the bed and as I'm, I'm having the opportunity to have some alone time with him, he said to me, he said, Sharon, he said, there's two things I regret in my life. And I said, my ears perked up, perked up, and I said, oh, what are those? He says, well, one is that I didn't spend enough time with my children. And I looked at my brother, and I said, well, I think we turned out okay. Don't you, Bobby? <laughs> I think we did fine. And uh, I said, Dad, what's the second one? He says, that I didn't answer the call. My dad died with regret. And you know, you would think that the first one would hurt me more, that he didn't spend enough time with his children. But that second one, that I regret that I didn't answer the call, that one ripped at my heart. And I just felt for him, Rick. I just, I, my heart just ached. It, it broke for him. And I said, oh, Dad. I want you to know that God's grace is more than enough for you as you pass from here to there. And he goes, I know that. I know that. So I left there knowing that my dad, even though he didn't fulfill the call of God on his life, I left there knowing that my dad, in the end, knew that God loved him and that he loved God and that he was a believer. But the body of Christ, he, he cheated the body of Christ because my dad had a gift that could have been used in the body. second story I want to tell you about is, and I don't know, maybe you've heard about this before. In Indonesia, somewhere in the jungles, somewhere in time, and I don't remember the whole story, <clears throat> You would think as a melancholic personality, I'd be into details, but this I see, it seems to elude me. But at any rate, um, a, science, a scientist was doing some research on fireflies. And he was um, research. you know how fireflies, you all know what fireflies, lightning bugs, um, how they light up. So he was doing some research on them. And so he discovered after researching for a while, that after a while, you know, they'll start here. And I, we live way out, we're not way out in the country. We live out in the country now, so we see that. You guys probably do too. Right now it's just phenomenal. You go out in the yard, it's dark, and you see all these fireflies just, just lighting up. And so these particular fireflies, though, they would light up here, light up there, light up here, light up there, light up here, light up there, just all over the place. Then all of a sudden, he saw that they all of a sudden started lighting up, sinking together, and they came together. And they came together, and when they came together, you could see this bright light that was shining. So he came back to the United States and told the story. This was like, I don't, I can't remember, 17, 1800s, I don't, I can't remember. Anyway, nobody believed him until... In the 20th century, somebody was down in Indonesia, and they saw fireflies, and they came together, and they made this big, bright light. And there's a place down in Tennessee, up in the mountains, same thing happens. 
say, well, what does that have to do with motivational gifts? We each have our part. We each have our light that we're, that we're shining. But whenever we start sinking together and we come together, just think of the bright light that's going to shine to the world when we all do our part. That's why you knowing what your gift is, that's why you knowing what your motivational gift is, that's why it's so important that you understand that and, and understand that you're probably already doing that. You just don't know that that's what it is. And understanding that how important it is to the body of Christ. Because if you're not doing it, part of the body is limping. Part of the body is hurting because you're not doing your part. But when we all come together and we do our part and we work together, what a light. What did Jesus say? You are the light of the world. You are the salt. Amen? Let's stand as we close.